Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. When Christy and I first got married, um, we, we lived in this little uh, farmhouse that, that belonged to my neighbor's dad. And then we had the bright idea that we were going to buy a, a double-wide trailer because that's the only thing that we could put out at the ranch because we couldn't use the ranch as collateral. And they wouldn't, you know, they're not just going to give you a loan to build a house that they can't sell because it's on somebody else's land. So we bought this double-wide trailer. Well, we go over there to the spot where the trailer is going to go, and we start cleaning it up. I have this bright idea. It's like, yeah, we can put it right out here. We can do this, and we can do this. We can do it just like we want. Don't ever do that. That is a lot of work, especially for somebody that doesn't like to mow grass and plant grass. And I like to watch cows eat grass. That's all. And so there was this big cement slab that we had to, that we had to get out because there used to be a house there a long time ago. Uh, a little foreshadow, it burned to the ground. Should have known. But anyway, we put it there anyway. And, and we got the, the, the tractor with the front end loader. And, and Christy was driving and she went over there and she's going to break, you know, we we're breaking the cement up so we could pick it up and take it over here and we were going to bury it, dig, dug a hole. And she lifts the first uh, broken piece up and there's like six rattlesnakes under there. Now, if you know my wife, she looked about like this on the tractor. <laughs> honey, honey, there's snakes. I was like, I see them. So I went and got my snake catchers and a sharpshooter shovel. I went over there, grabbed one of the snakes, walked out in the pasture, put his head down, cut his head off, threw the snake away, went... Got the next one, got four of the snakes, and two crawled under the next piece of concrete. So she moves the tractor, she picks it up, there's six more snakes. So I got five of the six, the other one crawled under. This continues until there's only one more piece of concrete, and I'm thinking that there's going to be like the mother dragon under there or something. <laughs> but these were all her kids, you know, it's probably going to die. And so, anyway, I got the first one, and I cut his head off, and Christy is still freaking out. She is pointing out every snake. She's like, you see that one? You see that one? You see that one? I see them. You're not, look, don't look at me. Look at the snakes. Anybody else in here married? I, I, I don't know. I mean, and so I get the snake, and by this time, my hand is starting to cramp. My legs are starting to hurt. I usually don't walk more than 40 feet. I saddle a horse. I'm not used to that much walking. And so I go over there and I cut the snake's head off. And then I go back and I take the body with me and I throw it up on the tractor with her. I didn't do that. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't be married to this day if I did that. I would probably be dead. She would have used that tractor all over me. But I did do that one time. There's a, there a guy that I went to high school with. His name is Kevin Gatewood. He was six foot four, 320 pounds, played lineman for college football, and his nickname was Buddha. And Buddha was scared of snakes, and so we caught snakes all growing up in high school, and he wanted to see some. So I opened up the cage, and it's just a big old box, and I got one, and I showed him. He's like, oh, my gosh, oh, and it was just a little one. And I was like, man, here, here's a bigger one. And I held it up, and he's like, oh, oh, I can't believe, oh, and he's freaking out. And, and I had a rubber snake in there. And I grabbed that rubber snake, and I'm like, here's the big one. And I threw it at him, and it hit him right in the neck. He screamed, 
fell like this, got on his hands and knees, and ran like a bear for like 300 yards. And he was just screaming the whole time. I laughed for about that long, and then I felt really bad. So, no, I didn't throw the snake up there. We ended up catching and killing 22 snakes that day. And we still put the house there. Shows you what kind of, you know, we are going to be talking about several of the things that I just talked about. And, um, you know, in, in the Garden of Eden, God creates all of this stuff. He takes six days, and then on the seventh day, he rests. You can read all this in Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, but I, I'm, I'm going to summarize a lot of this. And then he makes man. And the only, after everything that God makes, he says, and he saw that it was good. And he saw that it was good. And he saw that it was good. And then he spots one thing that he made that was not good. And it says, and he looked down and saw man and saw that it was not good. There's another part to that. I know some of y'all women are like, yep, that's right. He said that wasn't good. He should have started over. No, he said that it was not good for man to be alone. And so he takes one of Adam's ribs. He makes a female, and, and, and this is paradise. She, she's good looking. He's got pecs. He's all buffed up. I mean, this is paradise, right? He probably was like those cowboys that you see on the internet where they, where they haul hay and nothing but wranglers without a shirt on. Because that's what we do, right, Ty? I mean, we, we never have shirts on. It doesn't matter. We're breaking ice. We've got our pecs showing. It's true. It's true. Eve, she had her some little old short cutoffs. Low shirt. Had to have been, right? That wasn't in the notes. But if you think about what God made a man and, and what he made women, you know, in man, he, he, he gives man the strength. He gives man his power. He gives man his authority. I mean, to Adam, he said, man, you can name all of this stuff. You're in charge in this garden. What you says goes, blah, blah, blah. It was the only time in history that that actually worked out. But uh, he gives man his strength, power, and authority. But to the woman, he gives his love. He imbues the woman with his life-giving ability. And to the woman, he gives his beauty. See, God is not a man or a woman. But if you take man, and God created man in his image, and he created woman in his image, and when you put those two things together, the half of God that is the power and the strength and the authority, and you couple that with the beauty and the life-giving ability and the love of a woman, it is the very pure image of God. Now, it doesn't make us God or anything like that. But why do you think the devil attacks marriage so fervently? Because it's the image of God. I mean, the devil can't do anything to God. But, I mean, if you'll go with me for a second, I mean, you know, God's image is marriage. And it's kind of like, you know, you put the image of the guy that you hate up on the wall and you throw darts at it. Well, that's what the devil does to us. Actually, the Bible in Ephesians calls them fiery darts. He will attack marriage in so many different ways, and his only goal is to tear those two halves apart. That is why marriage is so holy to God. That is why it is so serious. And if it wasn't 
for, I mean, the devil is constantly, people ask me all the time, why is marriage so hard? Because the devil's constantly trying to break that apart. He doesn't like it, but God loves it. And anything that God loves, the devil is going to attack. But there was a problem in paradise. See, there was a snake in the garden, as there always is. My wife can spot them a mile away, climb up on the tractor, point them out. But there was a snake in the garden, and the snake goes up to Eve, and he says, did God really say that you could eat any of the fruit in the garden? She goes, yeah, all but one. She said, we can eat of everything except the tree in the middle, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the devil says this. He said, did God really say that? Because the reason that he doesn't want you to eat is because if you do, your eyes will be opened and you will be like him. See, there was a little twist in the truth there. But the devil lies to Eve. Well, she starts pondering and she starts thinking, you know what, maybe this, maybe this old snake is right. And so she goes to the tree and, and, and she gets something in, in the old deal. that It was an apple tree. That's not true. It doesn't say. It just says fruit. And so she gets some of the fruit. She eats some of it and gives it to Adam. Now, a lot of people blame the fall on Eve, but make no mistake about it, Adam was standing right there the whole time. It makes me mad because Adam is in charge. He has been giving all authority. He could have told that snake, hey, you know what, buddy? Won't you get on over there before I cut your head off with a snake catcher? Throw your body in a pile, bury your head. He could have said that, and the snake would have had to obey because Adam had given, been given all authority. See, before we go to judging these two too harshly, let me put it in a little different circumstance. Men, talking to y'all, what would you do? And, 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 and I, I, I'm going to assume that if you're here or that you're listening, that you are a Christian, you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you're thinking about it, or you're pondering it, or whatever. But if it came down to it, and the devil walked up to you, put a gun to your head, and said, deny God and worship me or I'm going to pull the trigger, what would you say? Now, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and assume something that most people would like to think that they would say, man, pull the trigger. I ain't going to do it. Right? I mean, that, that's what we want. That's, what, that, that's a manly thing to do. Now, imagine that same scenario where the devil's got the gun and he walks up and he says, deny God or I'm going to pull the trigger. But this time, he's got it pointed at Eve. Things just changed. See? Things just changed. The devil knew that he couldn't confront Adam head on. So what did he do? He attacked the thing that Adam loved the most, his wife. And see, that's where Adam made a mistake. Because what he did is he knew that God had said, don't eat the fruit from this tree. And he chose Eve over God. Instead of protecting his wife, he went along with her so that she wouldn't get mad. And guys have been doing that Ever since, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but you know what? Sin entered the world through Adam, not through Eve. The sin did not enter the world through Eve, even though she made the mistake. It entered through Adam because Adam had give, or God had given Adam the command, said, don't eat that, and you tell your wife. And he did, but he didn't follow through with it. In Romans 5, 12, you don't have to turn there, but it says, when Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. It was Adam's sin. It was his 
fault. Because in 1 Timothy it says that, that she would have been forgiven through childbearing. Okay, She made a mistake. Adam sinned. It was his responsibility. And over the next three weeks, I want you to understand, I am women, I am not leaving y'all out of this by any means. But I'm fixing to talk real stern, and I'm going to talk real blunt and real straight to y'all men about being who your wife needs you to be and who God called you to be. And it will be the toughest, most glorious thing that you've ever experienced. And if you will do not what I say, but what the Bible says, your marriage will be something that people will talk about. They'll say, how are you married like that? How do you do that? And you will be able to tell them. But see, sin has a consequence. Adam's sin had a consequence that affected his wife. Because see, God came down after they ate. Well, right after they ate, the first thing they did is look down and realize that they was buck naked. So they took some leaves and covered themselves with it. And then they heard God walking through the garden. Because back then, God could just walk and talk with you. And they hid. And in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 7, it says this. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman who you gave me who it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. See, there's a consequence of sin. Make no mistake about it. Just because you don't see it right away, every time that we sin, everything that we do, it always has consequences. And I'm, I'm going to show you that the very first consequences of their sin still reverberate in our marriages today, in our relationships today, in our homes today. Because in verse 7, it says, At that moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. See, one of the consequences of sin is we start feeling shame. Now, some of you might say, well, I, I don't feel shamed. Well, have you ever felt like you had a low self-esteem? Have you ever felt like you weren't pretty? Have you ever felt like you just weren't adequate? Have you ever been scared of what other people are going to see? Are you afraid of being who you are? See, one of the consequences of sin is shame. It embeds in us and, and we start hiding who we are. And God looks down and he says, who told you that? I made you perfectly. I made you in my image. You do not have to feel shame, but you do feel shame as a consequence of your sin. Anytime you sin, there is going to be a deep-rooted sense of shame inside that we continue to hide from ourselves and everybody else. The second consequence of sin is verse 8. Separation from God. It says, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. The Lord God called and said, where are you? See, sin makes it hard to see God. It makes it hard for us to hear Him. It makes us hard... It makes it hard for us to see Him, hear Him, be close to Him, know what He wants. We constantly hide because of our shame. We hide from Him. He said that He would never leave us nor forsake us. But what we do, maybe, maybe unconsciously, is we run from God and we hide from Him. And the third thing 
that we do is we start blaming. In verses 12 and 13, he said, The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. He's already, I mean, he, he took that fruit of his own free will and ate it when he knew that he wasn't supposed to no matter what. And the first thing he did is, she made me do it. And, and she looks and she goes, the devil made me do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and isn't this the cycle that we all go through? We feel shame. We're ashamed of who we are. We try to build this wall up so that everybody will see, you know, that this, this cool cowboy looking stuff and rope and ride and everything. But inside we kind of feel small because we're scared that people are going to know the truth about us. So we so we so fig leaves all over us and try to make ourselves into something that we're not so that we will hide ourselves. And then we're separated from God and, and we run off and, and we hide. And then people say, I, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Exactly. That's a result of sin in our lives is that it makes us hard to hear from God. And then we start blaming other people. The very first time someone tried to hold someone else accountable for their mistake, God said, why did you do this? Immediate finger pointing. And how many times, I mean, come on, honestly, how many times in all of our lives do we, the second we know we did something wrong, we start pointing the finger at something or someone else? All the time, all the time. Well, it's so-and-so's fault, or it's this guy's fault, or, you know, it's just a product, you know, my parents, or, or whatever. And, and you know what? All of those may be valid reasons, but they're not good excuses. You are responsible for you and you alone. And like I said, guys, it's your responsibility to lead your household. Why? Because of this right here. See, those are the first results of sin, but God came in and he said, hey, because this has happened, let me tell you what's going to happen. And he doles out two things to the devil or to the snake to the man and to the woman. And the first thing he does, he tells the snake, he says, you're going to crawl on your belly from now on. You'll just eat dust and la, la, la. And there you will be enemies with the man and woman. You will strike his heel and he will strike your head. Just like I talked about. Enemies between man and woman and the snake. Constant enmity. And then to the woman, he said, because this has happened... I am going to multiply your pain during childbirth. And as most women can attest to, it hurts. Okay? It's just it's what happens. Okay? Pain in childbirth. And then in Genesis 3.16, this is going to be really, 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 really hard for some of you that have never heard this. this I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. It is the closest to the actual original Hebrew. And this is what the New Living Translation says. You will give pain in childbirth. And then the second part it says, And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. You will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now some of the versions say your, your desire will be for your husband. Okay? Is that really a punishment? If you, oh yeah, you like your husband. That's not what it means. What it means is you will strive to take his place. And some of you say, well, I don't want to take his place. No, it happens. It happens. To the man, he says, all your life will be a struggle. And number two, you will only eat by the sweat of your brow. All your life will be a struggle and you will only eat by the sweat of your brow. All because, and, I, and I'm blaming the guy. It was Adam's fault. And guys, it's still our fault today whenever we choose our Eve over what God said. And Eve's women 
To this day, the devil is still attacking the family through the heart of the family, through the love of the family, through the wife of the family, because y'all are still believing some of his lies. It's double responsibility, but I still lay it all upon the guy. It is your responsibility to do what God tells you to do. And, and you know what? Think about this. Some of you may be saying, well, I don't know. I, I'm not criticizing anybody, and this isn't about you know, male chauvinist versus feminism or anything like that. This is the Bible. This is why marriages are attacked so often. How many times have, have you heard a, a woman say, I mean, my wife has said it to me. Well, you, what you need to do is this. What you, you know, what you should do is this. You need to do this. You need to do that. And you know what? I am no better than Adam because a lot of the times I go with her. Even if I disagree with it, I go with her because I don't want her mad at me. And you know what? I'm willing to bet that every single one of you men do the exact same thing. And the women, they're trying to help. I'm not saying that they're doing it bad. They really want the family to succeed. But part of their punishment is your desire will be to rule... Uh, what does it say? Your desire will be to control your husband, but he will rule over you. You don't do it right. And how many times, women, have you heard the man say this? Well, you just don't see what I do for this family. I work my rear off all time and time again, and I just get no appreciation. I just want to come home and sit down. Oh, shut up. Quit feeling. I mean, and, and I'm looking in a mirror when I say this, man. God said you would, you would work and work and work, and nothing would come of it, and you would eat by the sweat of your brow. Grow up. Take responsibility. That's your job to go out and work hard. Don't throw it up to your wife. Be a man. It's your responsibility. It is your responsibility. How would you describe your marriage? What, or, or maybe you're not married. What would you want your marriage to look like? Is there room for growth? If you say no, you're deceiving yourselves from the very beginning. And some of you might be saying, well, I, you know, I'm not married. Well, you can still learn from something. Get started on the right foot. Do you have a low self-esteem? Do you not feel pretty, not feel adequate, scared of what other people might think of you, might see? Is shame a big part of your marriage on both sides? Do you feel separated from God? Is it hard to know Him, see Him, and hear Him? Are, are, are we hiding from Him? We, we, we want to come to Him, but we hide behind the tree. You know? You know, God, I want to come to you, but, I, but I'm, I'm afraid you'll see what I know to be true. And God's saying, just come out and I'll make you who I made you to be. Who you're, the person that is hiding is not who I made him to be. Come out and I will make you glorious. I created you in my image. Do you feel ashamed? Do you feel separated from God? How many times do you blame other people in situations for the way you act? Are you a habitual blamer? You know what goes hand in hand with blame? Complain, complaining all the time about something or some. Complaining is grown up blaming and whining. Okay, if we didn't blame anything else, we wouldn't have anything to complain about, would we? We always want something else to be responsible for the way we act. Well, they did this or they said that or I can't stand so and so or it's too hot or it's too cold. Man, just. Be a man. Be a woman. Quit blaming everything and everybody for everything else. And men, it is your responsibility to start it off right. Be who God called you to be. Quit choosing Eve over the right thing to do. And you know what? Here's the thing. She wants 
inside of her, she wants that man that, that she knows is in there. She does. We probably all feel this way in our marriages and in our lives, but there is a solution. To everything that I've talked about, the shame and the separation from God and the blaming and all of this hard stuff that we've talked about, there is a solution. And did you know, now I'm going to talk to the women, but I encourage all y'all men to pay attention. Some of y'all women, I have asked this question. I have asked this question to over 100 individual women from all walks of life, all races, all economic statuses, and there has been only one answer, only one, that every single woman without hesitation has asked, every, or not asked, that she has answered my question every single time with one word, that has been exactly the same. The answer is so simple that every woman can immediately answer it. And it's exactly the same thing every single time. The answer has the power to change your marriage, save marriages, and build marriages that can withstand anything. Every woman has the answer to anything and everything, and she's answered it the same way every single time. And we'll talk about that question next week. <laughs>